0: it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: What is up, everybody, for Inside Carolina? This is Taylor Viplis. Appreciate you spending your time here as Inside Carolina is going through a reshuffling now. You have Ross Martin leaving, Jeremiah holloway joining you've got don and tommy restructuring the scoop podcast and for the first time ever on a podcast as a duo joining me today it's jason staples Jason, with what we both do for Inside Carolina, is this, uh, as individuals, we're strong, together we're unstoppable?
2: I don't know about unstoppable, but they ain't covering us.
1: <laughs> Uncheckable. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> well, we are together today to preview the spring game that is this Saturday, April 15th from Keenan Stadium for the Tar Heels. It's kicking off. At 3 p.m., still not sure what the format will be, but it's football nonetheless, which is enough to get us both excited. So today, we've compiled the VIP list of things we'll be looking out for at the UNC spring game. The VIP list always gets people the first time. (laughs) The first time. At number five on the VIP list, Jason, I have the running back battle. We have a, a ton of running backs to see from Carolina. You have George Petaway who's who's been limited this spring by an ankle injury for, for two weeks. Um, but Mac Brown has has been talking up Omar and Hampton and Elijah Green. You also have somebody like British Brooks who is going to factor into that equation once, once he's healthy um, coming off that knee injury. So what should fans be looking for when they see the running backs at the spring game?
2: You know, I, I think it's just about wh- what guy is going to jump out and, and seize the role, because I think that's what they're really looking for is they want to find out they've got, they've got five, really, maybe six quality power five running backs on this roster. The question is, do they have a guy that can jump up and and demand to be the guy that's getting the carries? Do they have a second guy that's gonna that's that's just going to require that they're not that that he not be sitting standing on the sideline? And that's what th- they want to see if somebody's gonna jump up and, and claim the job. And you know, ideally, one or two guys just make it obvious <laughs> that's what you want as a coach. Uh, what they don't want is is guys that, you know, is is basically everything staying bunched together and nobody really making a bunch of big plays. So look for who is consistent, and look for where the big plays come from, and that—that's I think what they're going to be looking for. And you know, I'm eager to see ultimately who wins this job. Uh, I think we're going to see—you know—availability is the most important ability. We're going to see come uh, come fall who's who's healthy and who's ready to go at that point. But I think what we see in, in in at the end of spring is going to is going to determine sort of who goes into the fall with a little bit of an advantage.
1: From the running backs last season, it seemed like the the lack of vision was the thing that kind of um, was was their weaknesses, but it was also a fan base. We were coming off seeing Javante Williams and Michael Carter run the ball. Uh, so when we're comparing those guys' visions to the running backs that Carolina had last year, Amari Hampton was the talk of training camp. Uh, George Petaway was the talk of training camp but it, it did seem like something was missing with their vision and just the overall run game scheme. Mac Brown has talked about this spring that he, he threw the offensive system essentially under the bus. He said we were basically a four play running game team for the last four years. And now they're adding more flavor with chip and Randy and, and they're doing different things. So, like kind of a two-part question: Where do you want to see the running backs improve the most from last season, and then how can this new system with Chip Lindsey kind of bring out the best of the running game?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I think the thing, the two things that I want to see the most that that we're really missing at times last year. You you said one of them already, and that was vision. I want to see I want to see the guy who makes his offensive line right. Over and over again. Because look, it's really hard in today's game to block good defensive linemen. It's hard to block any power five defensive lineman. It just is. So the best running backs are the guys that make it so that when their offensive line gets close to a stalemate, that guy might be getting beat a little bit over here, but you start to see that you see that just a little bit. You feel it before it's going to happen that he's going to get beat to this side, and then you just cut off the other side. And he's just, you just make him right. And there were too many times last year where backs kind of ran into the back of the offensive lineman or ran where there just wasn't a crease. And, you know, that was the thing with, with uh, the, the pair that they had before, especially Javante. Javante would come off the, off the bench in the fourth quarter of games at times, you know, after, after Michael Carter had been in there sort of softening things up. And all of a sudden you'd see it look like there was just miles of space in front of him. And then you go back and you look at it and you'd be like, oh, wow, that's the same amount of space that <laughs> that's that been there all game. But he just saw it before before it opened and there was this much initially and he just hit it at exactly the right time and made it to the second level and then all of a sudden he's in space. Can you get a guy that's going to do that? Can you get a guy that's going to make his offensive line right over and over again? That's that's number one. Number two is who's going to who's going to win the battle at the second level. So when you get a guy at the second level, are you going to make that first guy miss? And, and you know, when I coached high school ball, uh, one of the things that that we used to talk to to the running backs about is, look, our job is to get you a one on one. Our job is to get you a one on one with somebody. Your job is to win that one. That's your As a running back, as as a ball carrier, your job is to win the one-on-one that we get you on paper. If we can get you a one-on-one, you've got to win that. And if the other guy keeps winning that, then you're just not very good. You're not good enough to be the guy carrying the ball. And so that's the other distinguishing thing. So last year, there were times where they didn't even get to the one-on-one because of the vision thing. And then there were too many times where they did get that one-on-one and they'd just get tripped up or they'd get – you know the that that guy at the second level would be the guy to make the tackle, and you don't want the guy, the first guy who gets to you to be the guy to make the tackle. As a running back, you can't do that. It, you you have no future at the next level if the if the first guy to you is going to make the is going to be the one that's going to consistently make the tackle. So those two things are really what I'm looking for. And then as far as what what Chip Lindsey's bringing, I mean they're still going to run primarily the four the same four plays. What he's bringing is he's bringing some wrinkles. And that was one of the things that was most encouraging to me watching what I did this spring is, you know, this, this offense might be a little bit less of a, uh, when it comes to some of the lower level games, they're probably not going to put up 70 as easily. They might be a little bit less of a smooth, uh, you know, a, a smoothly running machine Against teams where they that they should that they that they should beat every time, but I do think they've got more more answers built in for the games where things are closer to a stalemate or where the the opposing defense has a little bit of an advantage. I think they've got more answers baked in, and I think they've got some counters that were lacking the last few years in the way that they're the way that they're building out this offense. So that's going to be interesting. Is how many times are they going to be able to scheme it up? Where they not only get the one-on-one with exactly the right guy in space, but how many times are they going to be able to scheme it up that you get a one-on-none initially? Uh, that's that's kind of what the, what we're going to see a little bit more of is scheming up a little bit more space off of a little wrinkle where you know the, we can't block this guy that well, so we're gonna we're just going to change our 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 scheme just a little bit to move it. <laughs> now now we're not having to block him that way. So there's a little bit more of that in there that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, the other big difference is I think they're they're trying to get more vertical in the running game. You, that and that's always been a Randy Clements thing. Uh, he likes his offensive line to get aggressive on that first and second step and try to move defensive linemen backwards, not just move them side to side and create seams, but actually get you know get get after them. And, and get them upfield. I want to see whether the offensive line having any success doing that because uh, that's something that's going to be important for them moving forward as they're implementing what they're wanting to do offensively.
1: Yeah, if Carolina can be more of a, a downhill running team, I think that solves some of the issues that they had in the red zone. And it's a lot of things – A lot of the things that you mentioned is a trade off that most fans would be willing to take where, okay, we're not we're not scoring 70 points in the blowout, but we do have more counters and we do have more things that we can go to. And we're not a team that goes in the red zone and all of a sudden it looks like we're, we're trying to play a completely different brand of football or we're trying to get away with we're trying to get away from what we do from the entirety of the rest of the game. So I think that is a trade off that almost every fan would take if you're Carolina when it comes to the run game and you mentioned it it was it was something that we always talked about on our our teams. I think Romar Romar Morris was like really good at it where it was like the first guy is never going to Never going to bring you down. He can't. And it was the same thing: the running backs and the punt returners. It's it's that same yep. mentality where if you are a punt returner or a running back, and that first guy is consistently bringing you down, you mentioned it. You, you have no future. Zero. Yep. Zero. zero just future. not very good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh Carolina will be relying on on some of the young running backs in the spring game, particularly. George Petaway, Omari and Hampton, if Petaway plays uh, with that sprained ankle. Another position Carolina is kind of young, not at the the starting level, but it takes us to number four, the linebackers. Quickly,
2: before we before yep. we go to number four, I, I will say I I don't think uh Lindsay Chip Lindsey will be uh you know upset about me passing this along. One of the things that came up in, in uh when I when I was when I was in Chapel Hill and, and getting to chat with them. Uh, with the offensive staff earlier, uh, earlier this spring. One of the things that actually came up in conversation was Lindsay kind of frustrated saying, I I never really have understood what the deal is with like, you get, you get, uh... I've never understood where you get coaches, where what you, you know, what you do best between the twenties suddenly disappears. or You can't do it, you know, in the, in the red zone. It's like, I've just never gotten that. And I was like, Hmm, interesting. (laughs) Because that's exactly what you were just talking about. Of like, yeah. you know, like, why would you go away from what you do? Well, like if you if what you do well between the 20s doesn't work down, you know, down in the red zone, then you need to do some other stuff, too. Yeah. And if you can't do it in the red zone, then you, you don't like you, you got to fix that. Yeah. So and that was that's been a big point of emphasis for them as a staff is we want to have answers in the red zone and those answers be baked into our identity between the twenties too. And that's something that they, that, that, that's, that's been a point of attention and a point of pride on this offensive, on this newly revamped offensive staff, something that they, that they've definitely talked about. So I I think, I think, you know, a number of people will be happy to hear that. And I I suppose they won't, uh, (laughs) the coaching staff won't be disappointed to have, have that uh, put out there either.
1: Looking at the defense takes us to number four. It's in particular, number four is the young linebackers. We kind of already know what Carolina has at the linebacker position in Cedric Ray, in Power Echols. They're, you know, at the top of tackles for the conference. You saw the impact that they can make in a game, uh, in particular the bowl game against Oregon, where Power Eccles picks that ball off from his shoestrings, and then you just know the, the impact that Cedric Gray makes, where the Carolina defense, numbers-wise, is is not a good defense, but Cedric Gray does have the ability to cover up a lot of holes that the defense does have with, with his ability, and he always seems to be when the defense does make a play, it seems to be Cedric Gray or, or Power Eccles, and it's coming from that linebacker position. We don't know too much about the people backing them up. So, what are you kind of looking for from the young linebackers, and and who in particular?
2: Yeah, it's, it, I'm I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure on who it's going to be because I mean they they've had some some injury stuff out there in terms of. Uh, in terms of who's who's gonna who's gonna be among that that younger group, but you know, there I don't think we're gonna see a lot of Power Eccles or Cedric Gray in this game. Um, you know, Sebastian Cheeks wasn't out there when I when I got to see him uh, because he was working back. He would be the guy that I would have I would have highlighted, <laughs> but uh, you know, at the Mike and the Will, I mean, you're looking at uh, Deuce and Amari Campbell, you're looking at uh, Michael Short. You're looking at basically those three guys primarily, I think, as the as the the guys that, that that are gonna see most of the time in the in the spring game, along with uh some you know non-scholarship guys. But what they're really trying to do, they need to find two guys that they really trust behind Eccles and Gray. And you know, you could see that out there in in the spring that they they they're really really pushing to try to find that that other pair. Uh, I think that's it's going to be critical long term for Cheeks to get back to be one of those two guys probably in the fall. They need to find at least one other from the spring. And you know, I thought that I thought the young linebackers struggled a little bit when I got to see him, uh, and that and they were being thrown into the fire against the ones and. That's the thing that I want to see is who who of that group what what guy and it may may even be somebody that I didn't mention but what guy is going to be the guy to jump out if anybody to jump out at that position in the spring game when Gray and Eccles are, are are not playing because like I said I don't think they have any interest in either one of those guys you know spraining an ankle or anything like that in the spring game because they know what they have in those two guys and now it's just a matter of can they develop somebody else that can that can play at that position and it's really anybody else that they need to get and and that's that's a that's a real question mark going into next year is the is the depth there and that's something they're gonna have to find so yeah that's that's something definitely keep an eye on
1: yeah i think you hit on all the names that mac brown has mentioned this spring um from the linebacker position true freshman early enrollees michael short amari campbell Along with sophomore Deuce Caldwell and Redshirt freshman Sebastian Cheeks. For the linebackers, yeah, I think they're... I said
2: Deuce. I think I said Deuce Campbell, but yeah, Deuce Caldwell, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the reason they're getting thrown into the fire right now is because you you could just watching the Carolina defense last year, you could see the importance of power eccles and Cedric Ray. Cedric Ray mainly where he, he's throwing people at the line of scrimmage, getting people lined up, making sure they're in the right position. And it's a defense that already wasn't that good. And if you take somebody like Cedric Gray out last season, it goes from really bad to catastrophic probably. So so they're probably trying to avoid a situation like that. If Cedric Gray does have to miss time and the spring game is probably the, the, the best chance to see what your team would look like without Cedric Gray, while actually still having him. Um, but you, you mentioned the for for just the football X's and O's position. Is there anything you're looking differently for, like a, a Mike linebacker compared to a Will linebacker?
2: I think in this defense not really because they they they're very much interchangeable. I mean maybe the Mike just a little bit more involved in the box uh and just a little bit less coverage uh than than the Will usually. But depending on formation and other things offenses can kind of require either either linebacker to wind up doing a lot. So you you kind of have to ha- be able to do all of it at both positions now in the way that the modern defense works. You know, the modern kind of two linebacker defense that that carolina is running in that respect you got to have sort of the ability to do both things and and i think they they kind of are mirror images of each other in a lot of ways uh just like it's maybe 60 40 on one and 40 60 on the other in terms of run pass you know pass run kind of thing so yeah otherwise i I think they're basically the the, you know it's interchangeable positions in this kind of defense
1: number three on things we're going to be keeping an eye out or things we're looking forward to watching in the spring game. I have Tez Walker and Nate McCollum being the number one and number two receiver for Carolina. I would be very surprised if they aren't the one, two for Carolina. I don't think they, they I've said it since they committed. I don't think they transferred here to play with Drake may knowing that they're coming off the bench or that they wouldn't have some kind of major role. And you're seeing the talk out of spring being that Walker is reminding people of Biami Brown with, with his length and his ability to run past people. And then Nate McComb, what he can do in the slot and just be that dynamic type of player. Uh, You also have Kobe Pesor, Gavin Blackwell, Andre green. Well, what are your thoughts on, what to expect from Walker and McCollum in the spring game in particular. Well, I think
2: Walker's speed is going to jump off the screen or, you know, for those at the game, jump off the field right away at some point in the, in the spring game where everybody's going to go, Whoa. Uh, Cause it, 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 he did that multiple times, pretty much every practice <laughs> this spring where he just run right by somebody. And you go, oh, wow, you know, homeboy can run, run like that is a whole whole different kind of of uh, running ability uh, in terms of in terms of of wheels. I mean, he's faster than than uh, than uh, Green was last year, than than uh, Antoine Green was. And Green's not slow. No, he's he's a good bit faster than him. I think he's faster. I think he's a good bit faster than uh, than two was two or three years ago. So, I mean, I'm I mean that's that's and that's legit vertical speed. Because not a, not many people are keeping up with him uh down the field that, that being Diami. Uh not many people are keeping Diami uh, you know, in front of them when he wanted to go vertical. And he's faster than Diami was. So uh I think that'll jump off the screen at some point. And that that also has been, by the way, a, a point of emphasis for this offensive staff this spring in in doing Uh, self-evaluation of last year. They felt like they didn't do well enough in terms of taking the top off the defense and presenting and hitting verticals the way that they want to. Uh, They want to create more big plays on those verticals. So that's exactly what they need from Walker. And I think you'll, you'll see some of that emphasis show up in the spring game. And that's partly also, you know, they're putting this on tape, you know, every team that they're going to play this year is going to watch the spring coverage and, all of them are going to have to see like, okay, well, we better know where that guy is. And they want that. They want them to realize like, you're going to have to rotate a safety over the top or he's going to run by you. Uh, and then McCollum, I mean, you're looking, I think you get to get a chance to see his quickness and his versatility and, and just see what kind of weapon he can be again with the, with the speed and the balance and all of that uh, and and the way that they're going to use him. I think you'll also get to see a little bit. I, I think they'll probably not show up a whole lot in the spring game in terms of what they'll, what they'll do to use him, in all the ways that they do it, but you know, Lindsay on some things is pretty well known of how he uses a lot of option routes and and different sort of two way or three way concepts with with the slot receiver. Well, he'll he likes to get that slot receiver in one on one matchups and then just kind of let him let him win. Uh, and so you'll get a chance to see a few of those with McCollum, and and he's probably going to have some space. So uh, so that's another thing to look for. And again, that's something that just in terms of what Lindsay likes to do you're going to get to see some of those things with McCollum in that spring game.
1: Yeah. As a, as a receiver, I'm always excited to talk receivers and, <laughs> and Walker is the guy that I'm really looking forward to watching, uh, get my first live look of him at, at the spring game. I think he is going to be somebody that a lot of cornerbacks are, are just going to be reading the back of his Jersey a lot. They're going to be, they're going to be seeing the name Walker a lot. If, if he does play like Diami Brown and, He has been getting a a ton of praise out of um, spring and transfers in from, from Kent state and McCollum transfers in from Georgia tech. There was a a huge point of emphasis when Drake may was making his decision uh, on putting the resources necessary to get him receivers. And I think they do have two high quality receivers to go alongside with the guys that they bring back last year, Pesor and Blackwell. But I don't think you wanted to go into a season with just the returners. Like there was definitely a need to bring in talent from from the outside. And um it's it's gonna be interesting to see how quickly May can develop um that chemistry with those new receivers and, and see how it looks on the spring game on Saturday. Uh, But perfect lead-in to number two on the list, Drake May's improved footwork. They've surrounded Drake May with these receivers this year. They bring in Chip Lindsey, who's worked with Jared Stidham when, when they were at Auburn, Uh, Freddie Kitchens, who has a, a ton of experience working with quarterbacks, new UNC offensive analyst Clyde Christensen. They're surrounding Drake May with a bunch of people who have nfl type experience and it's it's crazy to say that we do think that drake may if he's playing at this level he he can play even higher at at an even higher level especially with what we saw and how he was playing himself into that heisman conversation before the season kind of just cratered off but what are you looking for in particular when it comes to drake may's footwork yeah i i think
2: uh one of the interesting things that that came up this this spring, as I was kind of going back through last year, and you know, I'm get, I'm getting ready to do some of my uh, some updates to the to the scouting report for the whole roster that I do in the off season for, for Inside Carolina. I went back and I looked at the Drake May scouting report, and one of the things that that you know, there was a lengthy list of of weaknesses, things that he can still work on to get better, going into last year, based on what I'd seen of him. And the biggest thing, number one on the list, was get his feet get his feet under control and uh one of the lines in there actually let me let me pull this up because one of the lines in there was really interesting given what they did uh given given the thing that they uh that they did in terms of who they brought in on the uh on the coaching staff uh i've got it here it says um okay scouting drake may all right uh it says uh Basically, I'd have him study and mimic Tom Brady's in-pocket footwork all offseason.
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. They
2: just Bring went and quarterback. hired yeah. as, yeah, they went and brought in as an analyst, Tom Brady's quarterback coach. <laughs> you know, so uh, when, uh, at the, at the coaching clinic, Christensen gave a long, uh, you know, he gave a long presentation on, on quarterback drills or whatever. W- one of the things I, it, I, I, <laughs> you know, I've done this a long time and, you know, I've coached quarterbacks. I've been, I've worked as a private coach for quarterbacks over the years. And I've seen a lot of quarterback drills, presentations and all of that. And And, and most of them, I don't really learn anything anymore. It's like, Oh, that's a nice reminder. I, yeah. That's, you know, and then I'm watching Christensen's thing and I'm like, Oh yeah, man. Yeah. I'll do that next time. That's, that's really good. Like I actually learned some, like a decent amount. And then the other thing that was just striking is, the first guy in the drills for like all of his practice tape on what he's showing in terms of, of, uh, of quarterback drills was Tom Brady. And I'm sitting there going, this is like, this is the perfect analyst to bring in to help Drake may get what he needs in that department. Uh, And then by the way, when it wasn't Tom Brady, it was Andrew Luck who he'd coached before. So, which, you know, those guys are pretty good. Right. And in terms of their commitment to do certain things, well, it's exactly the stuff that that May May is watching that stuff and working on mimicking that stuff every day. And he'll be doing that all summer. That's exactly what he needed. Uh, and the other thing I'll, I'll mention is this also shows a lot about the humility of. Uh, of, uh, of of a coordinator who's first year in the program when, when you've got a coordinator who you know might be threatened by bringing in somebody with that kind of uh uh with that kind of of pedigree and all of that and coming in and saying yeah you know so maybe we should do this with with quarterbacks you know a lot of guys will be threatened by that but not this guy and that says a lot about humility in terms of of just wanting to be really good and wanting to to uh to be collaborative and and, and use all that and so I think this is where you're going to see Drake may get significantly better at exactly those weaknesses. And there were too many times last year where, you know, he would have just an uncharacteristic miss or two every, every game where there'd be one or two misses where it'd be like, Oh man, how did he miss that? Like he hits that, you know, nine times out of 10. And it wasn't, you know, just skip the ball to him. And it's all, it was always, or pretty, pretty close to always because his feet weren't in the ground at exactly the right way or something was wrong in its platform you know, below the waist, essentially, or waist down. Uh, and that's what they've been working on. It's exactly the stuff that he's needed. And the other thing is, is in terms of sack, uh, sack production, about a third, maybe a little over a third of the sacks last year were on him because he was in the wrong spot. And that's due to sloppy footwork. And they are just refining that so that he's always in the right spot so that when pressure arrives, it's arriving from where it should be arriving instead of him making his offensive line wrong sometimes. And, and I think all of those things lead to him being able to get the ball out better on time and then more consistently and not having that occasional misfire just because something's wrong below the waist. And I saw in the, the practice that I got to go see a while back, I saw improvement in that area already. So it's something I want to see now, a couple weeks later, I want to see how much further they've gotten, but it's definitely something that, uh, that I think Carolina fans should be looking at and, and noticing the difference in what he looks like in the pocket.
1: Yeah. Two points off of, uh, the point that you just made the humility from the coaching staff, I think has been something that I've noticed a lot this off season where they're not, they're they're acknowledging where they where their shortcomings were last season, um, mainly where it's like we we weren't that good at running the ball. Let's bring in a new offensive coordinator, a new line coach that's going to help address that. Um, the defensive the defense wasn't that good getting a pass rush. Let's bring in some people that can help specialize in getting a pass rush. You have uh, the the analysts coming in that can help out Drake may where Drake may. That was the other point where it was like, Drake may has the talent to be a top, a top five pick next year in, in the NFL draft. A lot or of two pick. Yeah. A lot of analysts have already said that if, if he was in this draft or if Caleb Williams were in this draft, that they would go before these quarterbacks now, but now it seems like he, the resources that they're putting around him, are to fast track him to be the guy who is the number one pick if he, if he performs and like just being around Christensen sin is, is, just going to help him so much in, in that perspective. He already has the talent to, to dominate at, at the college level, but when you're putting him next to so many NFL people and he could start speaking that NFL language, it's going to be something that I think you see pay off next year um, when he starts to get in front of NFL teams, because I don't, I don't think any Carol, I think Carolina fans have kind of let that ship sail that they have Drake May one more season, let's enjoy him for <laughs> one more season. Uh, but because it it does seem like he he's fast tracked to, um, be a high a, a very very high draft pick in, in the NFL draft next year, and that's part of it where North Carolina does want to capitalize on the window that they do have with Drake may before you're having to go through the whole process again, of trying to identify a quarterback and figuring out what they can do. You know, Drake may is one of the best quarterbacks in college football right now. And you have to put everything around him possible to, to maximize that. And one of the ways Carolina can maximize that takes us to our number one. We know Drake may is already a star star. UNC needs star level talent on defense to go along with Cedric Gray. So, the number one thing we're looking out for in this spring game. Elijah Huzzy, the transfer at mm-hmm. cornerback. What can you tell fans about what to expect from Huzzy? I uh, uh,
2: in what I saw when I got, when I got to watch him a little earlier this spring, I thought Huzzy might have been the best player on defense. Not best corner, best player on defense. Uh, he, he just popped over and over again. as one of those like, well, they may only have him for a year, because uh, that guy is uh, he's going to play at the next level, and I think he 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 can be a difference maker for them defensively. Uh, there are a couple situations where, like down in the red zone, they had a they had the right play called up, they had. The matchup that they, you know, the, a matchup that you expect to win, you know, in terms of wide receiver against a against a, a corner in this particular concept, and Huzzy just ate it alive, and May had to come off his first read right away, and it was one of those like, wow, you do not see corners win that matchup that often, that obviously, and yeah, they're they're and and just overall being able to turn and run with some of the speed guys that they have and and uh, not not give up when not give up stuff when they run you know back shoulder stuff. So he's turning and running on, on him and then they run a back shoulder and he's there anyway. So I mean just the the reaction speed, the quickness and the thing that really stood out to me as much as anything is how in balance he plays, which shows sort of a combination of the foot quickness but also he understands that he's a really smart player. Uh, and that's a guy that i think can really help this defense day one curious to see sort of how they use him because he's got i think at the next level he may be a slot corner uh and they did move him inside some in 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 that practice uh in certain situations so he's a guy that just kind of keep your eye on him you know when they show replays whatever if it's a pass play take a look at what what he's doing against whatever receiver is lined up against him because i, I think he he gives a lot of hope for the defense making making strides just because you can you can be confident that okay we can go one on one with that guy over there we don't have to worry about that and we can kind of rotate away from him that changes what you can do defensively and they were hoping they could do that last year with the pair of corners physically that they thought they would have and then those guys just didn't live up to what they what they needed uh huzzy i think can be that guy so that's going to be really fun to see. It's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch him over the next year. I, I like I said, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's only a one and done at Carolina because I think he he has a chance to be uh, uh to get on NFL radars really quickly this year.
1: That's why you're the best in the business because I had the follow up ready. How can Huzzy unlock what Chiswick wants to do defensively? And you you kind of <laughs> you kind of touched on that. Now it's going to be. Do we see it as fans watching at home? Are they going to show all twenty-two? Do you think? Oh, almost certainly
2: not. They're going to end up showing inter. This is a spring game. They're going to show inter guy. You know, old old heads getting interviewed on the sideline while the play is going on, and like, oh, there's a breakaway or whatever. And it's like, yeah, well, I'm looking at, you know natron means getting interviewed here on the sideline or you know there's an image there's a there's an image of lawrence taylor who's who's in to say hello to everybody and yeah it's nice to see lawrence but i'd really like to see what's going on (laughs) on the field every year that these spring games drives me crazy with that stuff because it's you you don't even need to see the person that they're, they're interviewing like show the initial thing to prove that the person's there with your sideline person and then just show the field, Just show, Just show what's going on, but you know, Hey, whatever. Uh, at least when he's inside, we'll, we'll, we'll probably be able to see him in one-on-ones and that I'm, I think that matchup anytime he's on the inside and going against Nate McCollum, that's good. That's best on best right there. I want to watch that matchup because somebody is, is going to lose that matchup some of the time. And I want to see like, who's winning that matchup day in, day out, play in, play out. Because that's that they're going to try to get that matchup, and defensively they know, like they know what Chip Lindsey likes to do. They're going to try to take that away some in the spring game. So we're going to, you're oh you're going to you're going to go to some of your your option route stuff that's designed to take advantage of that slot. Well, we're going to put Huzzy there now. Now 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 what are you going to do? Is that guy going to still be able to beat him? And I think I think that's going to be really interesting come spring game. Uh, otherwise, I I think with the young linebackers, the hope is. That those those backers are able to flash, but I th- I think you can kind of expect the running game to 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 do fairly well in this uh, in in the spring game just because you're going to see a lot of the, the the young linebackers on the field, and so you might see a little bit less than you'd see otherwise in some of the passing game because that's what they're going to push.
1: Yeah, spring games are always tough to assess because one side's doing good, one side's not doing well, but I think the the hope at the end of the day is that your guys are just competing and that it is going to prepare you for when the, the person across from you is not in in your own uniform. Um, but that is all we have. It should be a great day. I just checked the forecast in Chapel Hill on Saturday. Looks like a, a high of 78 and sunny, so a perfect day for some football. Jason, appreciate the time helping put together this VIP list of things we're looking forward to watch from Saturday. We'll see how it all plays out and appreciate everybody who has watched or listened. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ, Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner, the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Okay. Now, it is a do-band. do between do- and 11. It. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the
2: podcast, so you don't miss a thing.